Welcome back to the Fantasy Formula. I'm Adam from F1 Fantasy HQ, and back from Vegas is Rob from F1 Fantasy Hub. Rob, can you believe it? We've made it to the end of the season. Oh, we have. It's been a very, very enjoyable season. And considering we only really started this just over halfway through the season, it's incredible how far we've come. The honestly really wonderful people we've met along the way through the deadline streams and such. And the fact that this is our last kind of race week preview video for the season, it's a bit of a bittersweet feeling. I know I've obviously had a great time this season with you, but Feeling a little bit of content burnout. So looking forward to, I'm sure, a well-deserved break for both of us in the off-season. Well said. We we definitely had a great time working together so far this year. It's been great getting to know all of you, our viewers, and the, our followers on all the different socials. So hopefully we brought you some good news and some good luck this season, and we're looking forward to do it again in 2024 too. Let's look at our show lineup for tonight. We're going to recap Las Vegas because there was a lot to talk about. A lot of fantasy fortunes changed significantly after this one race. And then we're going to get into the season finale at Abu Dhabi. As a Mercedes fan, I've got some bad memories of this track, but hopefully Lewis and George can write some new ones for us this year. We'll talk about the fan amp picks of the week. There's still some great chances to earn prizes before the season is over. And then we're going to get into our lineups for the last race and our final fifth gear garms giveaway of the season. Well, Adam, look at that. For for a couple of weeks now, you're uh, the new team name. I am. And our winner last week was Harrison F. Hood. And unfortunately, we couldn't reach Harrison in time for a team name before we filmed the show tonight. So I am going to be Harrison F. Hood for this last race at Abu Dhabi. And thanks to our producer for finding my favorite driver wearing a hood. So that's <laughs> that will be my team name as the lights go out on this season. Let's move over now to Las Vegas. And the biggest story of this race was the performance of Ferrari. Charles, he had a fantastic weekend qualifying on pole again. And with this, he tied Nicky Lauda for the second most poles by a Ferrari driver all time. And he battled both Red Bulls right into the final lap to take P2. So for his efforts, he got a very well-deserved driver of the day and a season-high 41 fantasy points. A really great effort for Charles. Yeah, very well-deserved. He's been a driver that's really been trying so hard the last few races. Just hasn't had the breakthrough uh, that he probably has deserved. And, you know, we did talk about this last year week in our show that he has had a string of consistent 20 plus point performances obviously if we look past the disqualification in circuit of the americas um, and then that formation lap issue in brazil he's been one of the more consistent fantasy performers this season i would like to think maybe not the most but he's certainly been able to just more often than not churn through the points and to be rewarded with driver of the day a second place and um, 41 points in the inaugural las vegas race you have to be pretty happy as as Charles Leclerc. Yeah, and I think part of it is because Ferrari have really cleaned up their act. This time last season, there were strategy issues, mental errors, car reliability issues. This year, him and Sainz have really both kept it on the rails, and it's led to some really good fantasy outputs. You have Sainz, who had this really brutal grid penalty from taking the damage during free practice one. We put him in our lineups thinking that he would ascend up the grid, and he did. So he had 11 overtakes finished p6 
good for 34 fantasy points. And when you sum the two of them together, you have the huge outcome from Ferrari, a season high 78 points and a much needed differential for those of us that were going against folks playing McLaren. Yeah, that was obviously the difference for people who piled in on Ferrari compared to our McLaren compatriots who were no doubt affected um, by Lando's, uh, I guess, crash on lap three. But, you know, Sainz started P12, managed to, as you say, make his way through the field. Really impressive drive. I probably even expected a little bit more from him, if I'm being completely honest, because of the fact that Perez was obviously able to get all the way up from a similar position uh, and even though that Rebel is remarkably impressive on just about any circuit, I thought the Ferrari straight line speed was excellent. And Charles was, for instance, able to kind of maintain that position at the front of the field. I guess Sainz had to deal with the fact that he got tangled up on that first turn. And uh, even though he did make a great recovery drive, would have loved to have seen him push for a podium as well, given Perez managed to do the same. On Tech Tuesday, the F1 website had a piece on what might have held Ferrari back, and this could explain the sign situation. They were back and forth on their rear wing configuration, going back and forth from what was a, a flat rear wing to one with a little spoon shape in the middle, and they might have just chosen wrong for the, for the occasion. But a really great outcome for all three Ferrari assets here. Definitely. I think, you know, further in the show, we'll get into what our teams are looking like for Abu Dhabi, but an encouraging sign, as you pointed out earlier, that they've really gotten their act together. They're looking the goods. And now that our budgets are a little higher, uh, we're able to get not just one, but in some cases, two Ferrari assets into our team. So really excited to see how their performances shake out in practice at Abu Dhabi, because if they do look the goods, I think I'll be going with them for the second week in a row. Agreed. Now, on the flip side of Vegas, we have Lando and McLaren. Rob, you called us out brilliantly last week. Heading into the race, there were only two drivers that had finished every race prior to Vegas, Max and Lando. And there had never been a season where multiple drivers finished all the races. So you had to wonder when the luck was going to run out for one of them. And it was Lando that blinked first with the DNF on lap three. Yeah, look, I'll I'll put my hand in the air and say maybe I jinxed the poor guy, but it was a disappointing end to, to McLaren or Philando specifically, I mean to say. Minus 14 points with that DNF after a qualifying that wasn't exactly symbolic of some of the drives, the single lap drives on the Saturday we've seen from him in recent times. So disappointing outcome for him, obviously great to see that he came out of the hospital and um, completely fine, but uh Oscar Piastri pretty much salvaged that McLaren constructor after a tremendous drive um, from way down in the field to, to come away with not just one point, but the fastest lap point. And in terms of fantasy, 10 points to go with that too. So you can see here, 34 points on the screen, not as good as Ferrari, but um, you have Oscar Piastri to thank for, for that, for those who owned him. It was a pretty resurgent drive for Oscar. He had the contact with Lewis where they both had some tire damage. They had to both pit early. Then Piastri hadn't run a second compound. So they had to force a stop later in the race. And despite all that, he still finished P10 mm. and noticeably for Oscar, he had 20 overtakes. That's the most by a single driver in any race this season. So that really salvaged things from McLaren and the McLaren constructor only scored 34 points. That late pit stop from Piastri actually saved the constructor too. Because at that point, they hadn't logged any fast pit stops. And that forced late pit stop for Piastri, they recorded it at 1.99 seconds. That got them the 10 points for the fastest pit stop too. 
So the McLaren constructor was a little bit disappointing with 34 points, but it could have been a lot worse. Could have been a lot worse indeed. I think it was 1.9 seconds, if I'm not mistaken, from from the race. So uh, another rapid pit stop. And, you know, those pit stop bonuses, they do get overlooked a little bit. But I have got some thought of some McLaren on my mind heading into Abu Dhabi. I think Ferrari is deservedly the favorite for good reason. But, you know, those bonuses, as you pointed out, a great kind of fallback option if you're short on budget. Absolutely. Let's move on to one of our biggest talking points entering last week. We thought between the cold temperatures, a new track surface, no supporting formulas to lay down rubber on this track, that we were going to have drivers sliding all over the place and lots of DNFs. And when we posed this poll to our fans last week, 40% predicted five or more DNFs in this race. But really, we only had three DNFs, and only one of them was a non-classification. The other two finished more than 90% of the race distance. So not nearly as crazy as we first worried. No, I think that first turn incident did come with a lot of risk, and we did see, obviously, uh, Valtteri Bottas and Fernando Alonso face one another like dodging cars, and then Carlos Sainz obviously got tangled up. But surprisingly, all three of them managed to continue on, so... Uh, surprising there was nothing in the way of carnage there to the extent that we may may have envisaged. And then you look at incidents like Max and George Russell coming together, still nothing there to suggest that those two were going to have to retire the car. Um, so lots of kind of interesting battles out there that may have resulted in a lot more, but I perhaps thought that maybe some of the drivers were going to take this race a little conservative just to mitigate any risk of not finishing the race it could have been a lot worse for sure and i love the picture that we chose for this we've got the the elvis verstappen picture i thought that incident was going to be a lot worse they both came away without even needing to to stop for any repairs they both finished the race as is hmm. and i i wonder if this time next year we'll see more dnfs as some of these fender benders at the beginning of the race turn into a a full-blown incident that causes more retirements and kudos to terry who we had on our live stream last weekend who predicted the rundown to turn one could be nasty it almost wiped out half the field mm. yeah yeah we got i think we got very lucky um especially that we both had carlos signs in our team he managed to battle on make that resurgent run um into the points and you know, people still own Fernando Alonso. Uh, he had a, a great result uh, the week before. So there were a lot of people that piled in on him. And thankfully, he didn't end the race um, in the pit lane. So encouraging signs. Uh, I do wonder if with with such little attrition in Las Vegas, do we see a, a change of fortunes for some of us in Abu Dhabi? With aging power units, we might see some some folks retiring early this week for sure. Let's talk about how our teams fared in Vegas because to steal a line from Alex Jakes that I hear every week on the F1 TV broadcast, I was buoyant when I saw this global rank. And really, it came down to the big decision on Ferrari and Perez in an effort that really restored my confidence in him. It felt like for a stretch of five or six weeks, we put him in our lineup, he DNF'd. When we took him out of our lineups, he was scoring 30-plus points. We never quite found things right for him, and we finally nailed it. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it in particular with the the wild card because that saved that, – I think you took one hit, maybe two hits, but I, I wanted to use autopilot, and I'll still live with my decision. Very happy with it. But much like you, uh, a very 
hefty rank improvement from wallowing down in the 8.5s, I think it was the week before. So to come close to almost halving my rank, and I think you halved your rank, it's a great sign to get to this point um, after a few, as you say, disappointing weeks. And Sergio Perez, I have a lot to thank for for him. Uh, really restored some confidence uh, after being burnt by him more than once in this second half of the season. But I think for me, Carlos Sainz, another standout drive uh, and the Ferrari constructor um, proved to be, I think, the biggest difference maker given so many people were still inside the top 10,000, top 20,000 with McLaren as their constructor. To put a finer point on it, those of us that ran Sainz and Ferrari netted 92 more points than Norris and McLaren. So it's a humongous difference maker if you have the courage to move away from who was the hottest driver on the grid after Verstappen. I think, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think, you know, people who could afford Charles Leclerc, as we said before, handsomely rewarded with the driver of the day points. What's most interesting to me uh, is, and we've seen this in a couple of weeks recently, uh, Yuki Tsunoda continuing to outscore Daniel Ricciardo, even though I think Ricciardo, over the course of an entire weekend, drives much better. I know Yuki obviously had um, a, a much better drive than Daniel uh, in Brazil because of the fact that Ricardo was afflicted by that Albon Magnussen collision. But uh, I still think Sonoda's just as starting from the back, making those up passes and somehow, even though he's not scoring any points for Alpha Tauri, is still outscoring Daniel. I, I spared us from another budget driver king slide with Sonoda because this would have been four <laughs> in a row, but it's true. He somehow seems to outscore Daniel every week. In this case, Alpha Tauri started him on the softs, and I was on my couch screaming up and down that he was, he was in for a tough race after that. He overtook nine guys on the first lap and then precipitously fell down after that. So I think what you saw was a lot of overtakes from that first push. He yeah. fell all the way back, had a few back marker battles, and then settled in. So it, it was if it wasn't for that little push at the beginning, it would have been a tough day for you. Yeah, definitely. The one final point I'll make uh, before we get into our, our next slide is, you know, Yuki got very fortunate that he started a little bit further back. And with that incident where a lot of people were spun around and ran off the track, he was able to just nip in between the carnage. And um, another driver that obviously had some fortuitous luck was Esteban Ocon. Um, you know, he had an exceptional drive uh, and is one of the, I guess, the Hail Mary options heading into uh, the next race in Abu Dhabi where, you know, him uh, and Lance Stroll are on the radar for our teams. And if for our non-American fans, a Hail Mary is a pass in American football. You do it right at the end of the game. It's got a low percentage chance of working out for you. So you just say a prayer and hope it all works out. So these are our Hail Mary picks for Abu Dhabi. Starting first with Lance Stroll. He had a season-high 39 points last week and is coming off of back-to-back P5 finishes. Lance is looking really resurgent. And you can see here, over the last five races, he has more points than any other driver in the 11 to $16 million class. So Lance has been on a roll lately in an Aston Martin that's had some recent upgrades. But I'll warn you, he started three of the last four races on the back row. So is it possible that he can keep recovering from a P19, P20 start to deliver a ton of points or is his luck going to run out? I do wonder if much like Ocon's fortunes in Las Vegas and other drives we've seen from other drivers uh, in recent times, 
whether it has just been the product of a safety car at the right time or a change in strategy from drivers around him as a result of racing incidents that's managed or enabled him to capitalize on i guess the the movement up the grid I, i'm not going to take anything away from lance Stroll. the last five races he has been you know a much improved driver compared to kind of what we saw through the middle half middle part of the season um, and to come away with 39 points which has been his best fantasy result in 2023 a great sign uh for him and for the few that are kind of s- staying with him despite you know perhaps other options around him being slightly more competitive or maybe not more competitive but I would say more reliable or at certain circuits more favorable than the Aston Martin. Would definitely be keeping an eye on Stroll heading into free practice. This is also a car that has been mired by a lot of mechanical issues, and that's due in part to why he's been starting low too. So we want to make sure he actually makes it to the start of this race this weekend. And on the subject of Ocon, he's the least owned driver in the game. Only 10% of teams own him. So this is really a feast or famine sort of situation. But I wonder if they've unlocked something at Alpine because Gasly spent all weekend in Las Vegas tempering expectations because Alpine are testing some experimental parts for 2024, similar to Mercedes new floor a few weeks ago. So did they unlock some late season performance in a way that someone could capitalize? It was, I guess, a really interesting weekend for the Alpines because a lot of people did not expect them to set the world on fire. I, certainly in a car that just hasn't demonstrated a lot of straight line speed in 2023 i was very surprised to see ps start fourth on the grid and obviously he had a race to forget after maybe a little bit of a bungled strategy from from alpine um, to fall back so far but to see ocon do the inverse and essentially surge all the way up the field into fourth uh, a great drive i just was I guess I was partly surprised in the fact that they just weren't expected to do very well and seemed to maximize their opportunities where they came. So, you know, if we, we're going to Abu Dhabi, Ocon at the lowest owned asset in the game, and I think that's partly because he's had seven DNFs this season, uh, becomes a hefty differential. And if you are willing to take a punt on someone that hasn't really featured on the fantasy radar, with the exception of uh, Las Vegas and his 32 point performance in Monaco, I think he becomes. A very good punt if you're brave enough. I'm not so sure I am, though. And and that's a great point. It really depends on where you are in the standings and what you're trying to achieve this week. If you're in first place in your mini league or if you're really high in the global ranks and you don't want to go down, I wouldn't recommend these drivers. But if you're P4, P5, and you're desperate and you need to have a play that has a chance of working but is a differential move, these drivers give you some, some opportunities there. And before we move on, I wanted to talk about the Ferrari constructor because it's not the boldest thing to say that a really hot constructor is going to be a a bit of a stretch for this weekend. But they're $7.9 million more expensive than McLaren, so I feel like we do have to sell it a little bit. Because if we look at the recent histories of signs in Leclerc at Yas Marina, which we'll do in just a minute, you'll see that their prospects for this weekend look good. And also... I've been harping on this for the last few weeks. I think there have been two phases of zombie teams. You have the group that phased out with Aston Martin because they're still a very highly owned asset, even though they faded out a bit. And then there's the group that got onto McLaren and have stopped playing the game in the last few weeks. And you can see how much our rankings increased just from the differential play of Ferrari last week. I think there are a lot of teams sleeping with Alpine. Um, sorry, I'm just talking about Alpine. Swiss <laughs> sleeping on McLaren that we can move past yeah. in our final week. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think that's a great point you make, Adam, because you look at the ownership of McLaren and Ferrari in the game, they're both equally owned 23%. But I wonder how many people, like you say, started the season with Ferrari because they were a popular constructor in 2022 and then just kind of lost interest. They're still stuck with them. And that ownership base has carried forward into the last half, the last part of the season. And, you know, the engaged strategists like you and I pile in on them. We have a very hefty rank increase. So I think in the interests of a final last week push, they become a very, very attractive option for me. We'll see how this plays out for us. Mm -hmm. And so as Rob and I look to inch our way closer to the top 1,000, two of our followers are going to compete for the number one spot in the Global League this weekend. So we want to talk a little bit about that next. So those of you that have seen our recent live streams probably know Luke, who's in third place with his team called Third Attempt. And then in first place in the Global League is Bruno, and his team is El Plano, one, two, three. So as it stands right now, we're going to have both Bruno and Luke lined up for our final live stream this Saturday. We'll hear about what got them to this point and maybe get some tips and tricks that we can apply to our lineups this weekend from two of the best players in the world. Yeah, obviously such a, an encouraging sign to have two of the best three fantasy strategists uh, following along on our page. Luke um, and, and Bruno are, are very engaged uh, in the show. And I'm sure if you've tuned into a live stream of ours here and there, you would see their name popping up in the chat. But uh, the fact that, you know, they've been able to maintain that consistency over a whole season is truly remarkable. Some really optimal strategies they've employed to use chips and certain lineup decisions they've made. So we would absolutely welcome um, their input. And um, hopefully you guys watching on the deadline can leverage as much of their good advice as possible. So we'll say it probably many times in the run-up to this weekend. We wish them both the very best and hope that someone near and dear to our hearts takes this whole thing down. Now let's talk about Yas Marina and what we can expect from this circuit. So you see on the left, these are the track layouts from 2020 and then the modern layout that we'll see this weekend. And you'll notice that in Sector 1 and Sector 3, they removed some of these slower-moving chicanes into sweeping, faster turns. And that brought on almost double the number of overtakes from 2022 to between 2020 and 2022. So this is going to be a race that will hopefully provide some high scoring via overtakes like we saw in Las Vegas. And also, I, I mentioned earlier that this track has bad memories for Mercedes fans, but I will remind you that it was here in 2014 that Lewis scored 50 championship points because I had this weird rule that the last few races of the year double. recorded double. So <laughs> it's not all bad news for us. Here. It was quite funny. I think it was the same race that Williams finished second and third, and they came away with 66 points um, in one weekend, which is absolutely ridiculous. But I'm kind of glad. I mean, I don't mind it as a, I guess, a novelty, but I can't imagine that really making any sense in this day and age. So wouldn't that be funny if... Um, you know, a team that was way out of contention suddenly came through with a double podium and went from P10 in the constructors to P5. That would be a story for the ages. But you make a great point. There are a number of drivers that do have some great history at this circuit. In 2022, you've got Charles and Carlos on the screen here. They were third and fifth top scoring drivers at this uh, circuit So uh, for that race weekend. So Obviously, a great sign that they've just come off an exceptional weekend in Las Vegas. Can they replicate that performance in the last week of the season? I think so. What's what's your view on that, Adam? I'm very happy with both of them. And, and the history goes pretty far back for both of them. Science has 
five straight top 10 performances at, at Abu Dhabi. Leclerc has four out of his last five. So mm. this didn't fail us in our last few races when we predicted that they'd have a, a good outcome. So I think they're as steady as they come this week if you have the opportunity. Meanwhile, your countryman, Danny Rick, he has in recent history, P7, P9, P11, and P12 finishes with McLaren and Renault. And then a P4 finish back when he was with Red Bull. And this is important because the last time we called out a track that Danny Rick was strong at was Mexico. And he finished P7 again mm. there too. So mm. can he reignite some of the spark that that helped his time at McLaren end on a high note? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I'll get into the yeah, AlphaTauri race pace in a moment. But I think sector two and three, you know, we saw Ferrari do very well at Las Vegas, which was essentially a rectangular circuit. You you look at those really long straights at Yas Marina, and I definitely think they will be ones to watch for the, for another week uh, with how impressive Ferrari look um, in a straight line. So wouldn't be surprised if we see a couple of purple sectors through practice and qualifying for Charles and Carlos. As for Daniel Ricciardo, I, I'm really intrigued to see how he goes at a circuit like Yas Marina in an Alpha Tauri. Now, a couple of weeks ago, you mentioned Mexico, a great result for him there. Just not so sure we got the performance we were expecting from him in Las Vegas. I know he's been in my opinion, the better-looking driver over the last few races compared to his teammate, despite being outscored fantasy-wise. But does that AlphaTauri have the race pace to go the distance um, after a pretty underwhelming race in Las Vegas? It'll be really interesting to see. With each passing week, they become more and more like Red Bull. And we're hearing now that their title sponsor has potentially pulled out and they might just be called the racing racing bulls f1 next year so they're just they're one step closer to being like their sister team so i associate them with fast pace anywhere just like the red bulls but we'll have to see we've got three free practices to get all this data from so definitely. we'll be watching them closely definitely bring back toro rosso if, if you ask my opinion i i'm a, a much fonder a uh, much more fond of that name than than bulls racing or, or whatever whatever variation of that they uh, are going to be but i, I mean it's if we look forward to the weather report for this this upcoming race week, it's looking like a pretty dry weekend um, at, at Abu Dhabi, uh, unlike some of the race weekends in the past where it's been quite wet and unpredictable. Yeah, ending the year on a high note, and I'm not worried at all about the temperatures because if this was a daytime race, maybe you'd worry about the tire temperature, but because it's a twilight race, I don't expect there to be any overheating issues, no particular biases for or against any teams from this just looks like we're going to have a nice clear weekend of racing to wrap up the season definitely yeah 15 percent of precipitation on the saturday seems awfully high for a place like uh, abu dhabi so i'm looking forward to a really clean race or i say clean as in like an uninterrupted race uh for the last one of the season and we've seen some excellent battles on this track the last few years so hoping that we get one more blockbuster race to round the year out i'd like that Let's move on now to our fan amp picks of the week, starting with which of those four drivers, Alpine versus Aston Martin, will have the best Q1? Uh, I will confidently say those drivers with the worst Q1 is probably going to be Lance Stroll. Now, I know that sounds a little bit harsh after we just saw him turn in a performance, a drive for the ages, uh, but I just don't think he's going to be able to match it. Pierre Gasly, I think, has been the better of the two Alpine drivers uh, over this entire season. And Ocon does, I, I feel like more often than not, seem to end out 
of Q1 more than he'd probably like to. I think for me, Fernando Alonso is the standout pick out of the four on the screen here. I very much like the experience he brings to the table. He typically can get into Q3, even if he does end up kind of um, Q... Oh, sorry, P9 or P10. So I fully expect, even if we're just looking at Q1 alone, I still think he's going to be furthest up the grid um, between those four drivers. What about what about you? Well, I think Alonso's going to finish qualifying higher than any of them. I think in Q1, you could have some of those, those drivers that are posting a lap time right at the end of the session that happen to find themselves in the top five that have no business being there. Mm. And so I'm going to stay on brand and say Esteban Ocon will finish Q1, the highest of those four drivers. Fair enough. That's a, it's a fair fair assessment. I think he'll be raring to go after the momentum carried through from last week. If we look forward to the Grand Prix and look at the 10 drivers we've got on our screen, um, the 10 teams, sorry, not the 10 teams, four of, four of these teams are in the bottom half uh, of, of the grid uh, in the constructors' standings. We looked at the race. What, who do you think uh, of these 10 will finish furthest down the field without ending up in the pit lane with a DNF. This might be boring, but I'm going to play it safe and say Logan Sargent finishes the race last of the finishers. I think that's a very safe pick, to be fair. Uh, I, however, I I know he's a very safe pick, and I I could certainly say the same, but I think um, Kevin Magnussen, for me, has just been a driver that has been pretty much non-existent this entire season. I, I know that uh, you know, we've seen a few really good qualifying performances, maybe more so from Nico Hülkenberg than we have from K-Mag this season. But he's just been a non-factor, and that has does not have the race pace that we perhaps would have expected from them uh, earlier in the season. You throw in the fact that their tire degradation isn't by any means the best, if you could even argue it's perhaps the worst on the grid. So I do wonder what that means for a driver like K-Mag who doesn't typically at least this season have a reputation of lifting that car um you know up and beyond kind of the the low points or or the high sorry the low teens or the low points so for me i I think he'll probably end up around p16 p17 and bank on a couple of dns to to save his bacon you're right about haas they've been very anonymous all season and in our fantasy discussions k mag is one of the few drivers on the grid that has never in any circumstance come up as an option for us in any no. week at least hulkenberg provided a cheap option that would occasionally find himself mm. in and around the top 10 and qualifying and hang out there for the racing gain a few points but k-mag has been between his price and his performance on track just never a consideration for us you you only really look at um you know there's only a handful of drivers that are below k-mag in the fantasy standings one is Logan Sargent, who has had a myriad of DNS this season. His teammate, Nico Hülkenberg, is only below him, partly because of the fact that he does much better in qualifying and then regresses over an entire race. And then you look at someone like Daniel Ricciardo, who's only joined in the last few races. Um, and before that, it was Nick DeVries. So not a very good yardstick when you're looking at average points over the entire season. The only other driver there is Valtteri Bottas. He's had a number of points or fantasy points finishes in kind of the mid mid to low teens but it's it's k-mag that has had you know two or three scores above 13 this season it's just been absolutely irrelevant in the fantasy landscape 
and has been, as you say, the only driver I can think of where he hasn't crossed my radar once. Even Bottas has featured in my thinking, even though maybe not in my team, in my thinking in the first couple of races of the season. Sargent even showed up in my team once this season. But Kevin Magnussen, an absolute non-factor. Gunther and team will have a lot to consider in the offseason if Haas want to get back into the picture for 2024. Mm. So while we talked about a lot of drivers that haven't cracked our thinking for our lineups this week, let's talk about what we're looking at for Abu Dhabi. Now, my team is a little bit strange because I have the final fix in play. I'm looking to use it this week, but I have to construct my lineup in a way that, one, I'm not going past my two free transfers, and two, I need enough leftover budget that I can substitute different drivers on my team. So this budget gives me uh, an extra 2 million or so left over that I could substitute Leclerc down to Perez, Lando, George Russell signs. Alonzo can go up to Lando. Yuki can bounce around between the other budget drivers. So I started here just because of the flexibility it gave me for final fix, but I'm not loving an Alonzo double um, Alpha Tauri at the bottom of the lineup. It's it's a tough chip to use because you really just can't plan for it. I, I mean, I think you've you've hit the nail on the head though, giving your team enough financial flexibility to move up or down in a number of different slots. But the last thing you want to be left doing is finding that you've got you know all of these drivers in their ideal starting positions and being like, oh, I'm kind of content with where these guys are qualifying. Who do I just not use the chip at all? But I, I mean, I, I think, it, is, is there any driver in particular on, on the screen here that you're just not confident in if you couldn't use the final fix? I'm never sure about Fernando this time of the year. I, like Considering that I could have Lando there, that would be a very big miss if I was sleeping on it. Mm. Or if I, if I, if Charles had some warning signs, I had to use the final fix to get him out. And then Lando drastically outperforms Alonzo. I, mm. I, just sort of outsmarted myself. I could have had them both and, and yeah. wanted the flexibility instead. So I've got to be careful there. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I think you've thought about it very well. I, I mean, I used mine on a whim in Monaco and it came up with zero points. So another chip for me, that's kind of gone down the gurgler. But I think with enough meticulous planning, which it sounds like you've put into, you know, it could it could pay off handsomely. All, all we need to see is a Fernando Alonso flop in qualifying or he could, he could, he could qualify, you know, P2, P3, but... We, we probably don't expect him to be in the podium places by the end of the race unless unless you think in the back of your mind uh, an Interlagos performance is on the cards for him. So we'll see how things go this weekend. We've got all three free practice sessions. We'll get the, the quali and race sims. We'll get the rider sims. So I'll definitely be staring at this carefully. I think mm-hmm. the other move I could do too is that if I have two free transfers, use two of them. And then if I want to put a third person and just use the final fix to avoid a minus four and have the team that I wanted all along and then have the benefit of sitting back to watch qualifying in case anything crazy happens. So we'll see. You and I are still close enough where you could overtake me on this last week. So I don't want to do anything too reckless. It really boils down to just one DNF for one driver that the other person doesn't have. So it's going to be close, but I think I'd much rather be in your position than mine, to be honest. Um, but anyway, hoping someone like Lando can um, pull pull out a, a decent performance. I think for me, you know, I tried to. Ca- I'm, I'm gr- grateful. I guess I moved him out last week. I've caught him at a price drop, so I think that uh, becomes a good option for me. I have. I'm capped out of my budget here, and this is 
a team on wildcard at the moment. I like six out of the seven slots. <laughs> Nico Hockenberg is the one that I'm just not entirely convinced. But again, I probably am going for that explosive upside um, with Charles in my team. The alternate is just to continue running the team I had in Las Vegas where I would have Sainz and Perez and Joe instead of Leclerc, Norris and Hulkenberg. But with the wild card, I feel like I'm obliged to make at least one or two trades and I'm just not sure where to start. So I've got a couple of different builds in mind. Um, and McLaren Constructor is is on my radar, even though Ferrari look much better. So just toing and throwing right now, much like you. Sure, because if you go back to the the McLaren Constructor, you can turn Hulkenberg into maybe a piastri or something really easy. And then all of a sudden you have a a much happier situation in that last lap. Yeah, so the, the build I'm looking at for a McLaren Constructor would be Red Bull, McLaren, Max, Carlos Sainz, Lando Norris, Alonso, and Daniel Ricciardo. So it would be essentially McLaren, um, Alonso, and Sainz, or Leclerc. Um, hang on. <laughs> I'm losing my train of thought here. It'll be Leclerc. I've got. To, I'm, I'm trying to look at my screen. It'd be Leclerc, Hulkenberg, or Ferrari, or Alonso, um, McLaren, and Signs. Did I get that that's right? Yeah, yeah. Those are. Yeah. That's a good yeah. problem to have. So yeah, yeah. We'll we'll definitely see in the lead up to this race. It was very obvious last week that Ferrari had it and McLaren didn't. Mm. So I hope that it's as obvious this week. Makes it a nice, easy decision for yeah. us. Yeah. So lots to think about and. If if McLaren do look good in practice, I, I probably won't hesitate. Um, but still, you know, three practice sessions to to get through, and I'm excited for this last race of the season. Let's take it home now with our contest question for the week. Comment in our fan amp base. We are the fantasy formula. You'll find us in there, and tell us who you think will be the biggest fantasy surprise this week. This could be a happy surprise. This could be a not so happy surprise. But who is going to defy our expectations and put up an outrageous fantasy performance? So the winner this week is going to receive $50 to our sponsor, Fifth Gear Garms. Black Friday is coming up soon. And for most international orders, you got to place that order by the 1st of December if you want to get in for Christmas. So make sure you head over there today and use our code FANTASY10 for 10% off. Rob, who do you think the biggest surprise will be this week? I've thought about this a lot. Um, and it is, I mean, the, the term surprise could be very subjective depending on how you look at it. My it's, it's probably kind of twofold cause it's, it affects the drivers and the constructors, but obviously we're still not yet set on who is going to finish second overall in the constructors championship. It's Mercedes Ferrari separated by, I think it's two points if I'm not mistaken, um, heading into the last weekend and Toto was very vocal about the fact that we're going to have a good race director um, officiating the proceedings. But my surprise, or I guess my prediction, is that Lewis finishes above Carlos and Charles, but Ferrari finished second in the drive, in the Constructors' Championship. Ooh, I'd take that. Yeah. I'd take that any day. <sighs> Biggest surprise. So I hadn't thought about this at all until we first saw this. I'm going to say... There will be no DNFs this week. So oh. whoever, whatever lineup you put in, it's just going to be you and the points those drivers get. Nobody's wow. going to get stung by a DNF. I'm trying to put that positive juju into the world because 
This last week was my sixth straight race where a driver DNF'd. I didn't get stung by the penalty because Yuki had gone 90% of the laps, but that was six straight races where a driver DNF. So I'm going to put that positive vibe into the world. The last time we had a, did you say, sorry, just replay that for a second. You say we're not seeing a single DNF across the entire weekend, not just in your team, but for all 20 drivers. Correct. Wow. Okay. That's, that's something that is something the last time we had a DNF a season, sorry, a weekend this season without a DNF was Spain. So and we've only had two of those this season, the other being in Miami. So lots to, uh, yeah, lots to shake out. We'll see. I will post that in the base and our, <laughs> our readers will tell us, uh, how full of it I am or not. Maybe, maybe a few of them will agree with me. Look, my, but my, Prediction, yeah, mine probably not much better. <laughs> hey, that's all right. And so that takes us to the last weekend preview of the season. Rob and I will be live this Saturday, one hour before lineups lock with the number one and three team in the world. We're bringing back Terry from F1 Coffee Corner. We're giving away $50 to our sponsor at Fifth Gear Garms. And we're going to be taking all of your lineup questions too. So it's going to be one of the biggest and best live shows of the year. I hope you can join us. Rob, thanks. Thanks again, as always. I will see you this Saturday. Thanks, Adam. See you then.